This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Hello, and welcome to another great show of discussions at the Roundtable. My name is Michelle Lux, and I'm your host. My guest today is Dr. Kanta Shelke. She's a principal at Corvus Blue LLC, a Chicago-based food science and research firm specializing in food and ingredient development, competitive intelligence, and expert witness services. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's start with the question. What do you wish you knew the first time you were an expert? What could you apply back then that you know now? Certainly. I wish I knew when I started some 30 years ago that it is the expert witness who is the expert and not the law firm that's managing you so that I would not feel nervous about asking for the kinds of information I would ask for, but instead would try and see if I could fit in the information that was provided to me and trying to make that fit. So there were two things there. The law firm was trying to fit me into their case, and I was trying to fit the materials that they gave me, hoping to make it fit. I now know that as an expert, it is our reputation that is very important, not only for our career, but for the case. And so learning how to ask for the complete material, clarifying every step of the way, and being very concise and precise in the areas that we're going to testify on are very important. Absolutely. And then with that too, is is the communication is so key. Where did you kind of pick that up along the way? Was it something where you reflected back maybe on that first testimony or the deposition, and then you decided to change direction? Or did you have a mentor that kind of showed you the ropes later on? Great question. Um, Actually, one of the um, attorneys who engaged me, who came through your system, actually, was a brilliant chap who could not spell and uh, started the conversation with me saying, being able to spell is not a sign of intelligence. I, I listened to him. But then he coached me on how exactly one goes about um, preparing for the case, getting the point across, developing the plot, and then making sure that every element that I'm discussing fits in properly and is not any way out. The comment that he made that I will always remember is like a house built on sand, an expert witness's opinion is no better than the facts upon which which it is based. And I later found out that this is the um, statement or it's a quote from a 1982 California case. And this is a a sort of a, a warning to any expert witness to be prepared, to be thorough, and to be very careful about what is stated. And by the way, I apply that across my life. So you will not see me on any of the social media platforms or even jokingly sitting with friends say anything that could come back to bite me. 
That's really good advice, especially in today's age. I feel that a lot of times it's it's very loose sometimes, or it's not thought out. And so there has to be, I think, a level of of respect to professionalism that is applied, especially in social media. Um, that's great advice. Now, how did you start with expert witnesses? How did you land that? Was it something where you were approached or was there interest on your end? Funny story. Uh, this goes back to 1988. I had, I was a, a, an assistant professor at the university but a professor at another university who had seen me at conferences and who had asked me to let him know when I had graduated happened to see me at yet another conference. And he said, aren't you uh, done yet? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm done. And I have a really good job now. And he goes, no, you don't. You, if you don't have a good job, unless you're working with me. And so he made me leave a very well-paying position to go work with him. Um, as a postdoc. So I went from an assistant professor down to a postdoc. My parents actually wondered if they needed to start a fund to support me. And they said, nobody goes in the other direction. But once I went in there, I realized that um, the funds that I got as a postdoc would not support me. So I went to his office one day and said, is there anything else I can do to support my case? And he put me on a case that was quite difficult for him. It is still the largest food industry litigation in the history of food industry. And it was a case about a cookie that was a dual texture. And there were three major brands that were involved. The one brand was accusing the other two of infringing upon its intellectual property. My job was to try and figure out how the three cookies were different. And I was so involved in this matter, so concerned that I was walking home that day from work when I saw a concrete being laid out on, on you know, a test concrete uh, platform. And I noticed the engineers using an instrument and checking something. So I stopped to ask them what they were doing. And they explained they were looking, this instrument could actually help determine the texture. That was my answer. So I came back the next day and asked if we had such an instrument. We found one and I worked on it and I was paid, I still remember, $30 an hour, which was very big for me then, you know, because I, I was trying to make ends meet. But when I came back to him and I gave him the results and I showed him how each cookie was distinctly different and they were not infringing on each other, he thanked me and I said, no, no, no. I will take this to the three different attorneys. And when I presented it to them, I got $90 an hour because each one of them paid me 30. He then realized that I also had an eye for business and I knew how to position it strategically. The net result was the law firm engaged me. And ever since then, since 1988, I've been doing consulting, expert witnessing, and also testifying expert Wow, that is the most fascinating intro story I've ever heard. <laughs> and the fact that the answer came to you just simply because you were maybe pondering it and trying to figure out how you can make this happen and how you can make it work. Now, so your background's in chemistry and food science as well. And with that piece of it, do you find that 
the cases that you take now, are you relying a lot on the science piece of it, but also you're applying more, like you have kind of a diverse background or experience that you're applying to these cases, correct? So one of the things that I've come to realize is that in the area of food science, one needs to know not only the formulation, but also have an understanding of the manufacturing principles. So there are very few people like me who know the formula part, you know, the, the culinary part, what ingredient goes into what, but also what needs to happen to them to give you that crunch or that shelf life or to make it safe, et cetera. So that is one part of it. The other part of it is the ability to digestibly present that information to a lay person without getting them lost in the minutiae but helping them understand what happens. So it's a way of telling a story in such a way that they get it. And being able to say it with clarity is critical that your side gets heard. And this particularly comes out in rebuttal reports because they've already got an expert. The other opposing side has already got an expert to say something and they've taken a stand. The way to do that then is to first read that and like Buddha on the mountain said, you know, first understand the other side. So you first seek to understand, understand what they are saying, and then dig a little deeper to understand why they are saying it. And if you're lucky, and of course, luck comes to those who work hard. If you work hard, you also find out maybe they have tripped somewhere. So you find out that maybe an assumption they made was incorrect. And so you agree with them and say, ah, I would think that too, but I would think that if I used your approach. But when you use the methodology that one is supposed to use, this is the answer you come to. So you're not attacking the expert, but you're attacking the position. Because the food science and food technology sector is pretty small, all over the world, by the way. And I've worked on all five continents. So I really want to be able to go to conferences without having somebody being very hostile towards me. And I've testified against a lot of my colleagues and we are still very good friends. Well, that itself is just, that's, that's the power of understanding. It has a lot to say about you and respecting the career and, you know, respecting the whole system. So that's wonderful. Now you did talk about being in five different countries with the conferences and whatnot, but have you been an expert witness in international courts? Um, yes, I've been, I worked on five different continents. Okay. And continents. Yes, yes. And I have served as in, um, I've not testified on all five continents, but I have um, worked with the legal systems on all five continents. Um, the most fun one of which was working in the court system in France, working for an ice cream company that had launched a product there. And um, because the owner of the ice cream company had um, put a sticker on the ice cream that um, addressed something that France was doing that uh, this pacifist ice cream company did not agree with. So the government there figured out that maybe there was something wrong with this ice cream. And so I had to spend about four weeks in that court without speaking French, but I learned how to understand, explain, and buy some time 
and we got out of it. And now Ben and Jerry's ice cream is also sold in France. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is there a language barrier when you're doing the other courts? And how do you work around that? How is that? Like, are you giving your thoughts and your words to then the attorney that has a translator and then they're they're then presenting on your behalf your testimony how does that work do you speak it and then it's translated so the good part of um working in other courts is if you are respectful the court is respectful and the science of language does not really require english or the language so if you're talking about a very simple system so that's what it comes down to if you can take a complex matter and bring it down to very simple basics that anybody can understand you don't need an interpreter and so that is the key thing and that is to take any case bring it down to its fundamentals and very simply explain what probably happened what is the reasonable course and therefore what matters most that requires a certain amount of respect due diligence a lot of hard work to figure everything out and then to take a step back and be able to state this in such a way as they say even your grandma can understand it or even a 4-year-old can understand it that's it. that's the key great advice to experts in whole is there anything you would like to end with or share something else that you've learned along the way or an experience you've had as an expert witness yes the one thing i will tell you is that when you're an expert witness you are on the stand for a number of reasons the future of your client may depend on your testimony and the work that you've done so this is not about just you it's about your client and their future so take your job very seriously do your homework and be very organized so when i'm taking a case i'm super organized i make sure i understand regulations you talked about working in different countries different states have different regulations some states don't you know have materials that can be discoverable so learn the rules first and then figure out how you're going to go about doing what you're doing and keep a very clean clear mind i've learned that you know how they say if you tell the truth you never have to wonder about it it's only when you tell a lie that you have to figure out what you said it's the same with expert witnessing if you are clean and clear about your position and how to go about it it's a very easy job so you keep it simple keep it organized and make sure you do your homework and make sure you do it in such a way that you're only talking about the material that's under dispute and not about the two parties because at the end of the day you should be able to walk out and have a drink with the other person and 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 still be okay the funny thing is in two cases even though i testified against the ceo of a company about a food safety matter when i was walking out in each case the ceo walked up to me and said so how long do i have to wait before i can hire you as our expert so i knew that that was okay Kantha, I love all the the stories and the insights. Thank you so much for sharing it with me today. And you have an excellent rest of your day. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. 
subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 